Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Buckle up, because it's going to be a long ride. It's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> No one cares, but we're going to tell you anyways. This is Popcorn Chats. Oh, I think you did intro our drunk twitches. Mm-hmm. I just want to apologize for that episode right off the bat, before we even start. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I've said anything that I need to apologize for, but I felt like I did listening back, and especially listening back to the raw footage. There were like three and a half hours worth of footage on that episode. I cut so much out. Um, at one point we were talking about Britney Spears's uh every time music video where she's like in the bath bathtub. Um and then we listening were to like, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay, yeah, listening to Lindsay Lohan's rumors. I just got really drunk and I was super hungover the next day from that episode. So I apologize if anybody was offended. I'm not getting that drunk for a drunk Disney episode ever again. Come yeah, on. that one was <laughs> That one was a lot. That was a little too far for both of us, but what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Popcorn Chats. I'm McKay. And I'm Katie. And this week, y'all, we are back with another installment in the Cringe series Mm -hmm. with a brand new movie that hit theaters and on demand like today. Actually, today is Friday the 23rd when you're listening to this. It's Monday. Regardless, we are talking the super successful One Direction fan fiction turned book turned movie franchise after we collided. Oh, yay. You know what? All right. Let's just start this off with a positive thing. I love, we have talked about it before. We're starved for content here and just mm-hmm. having a new movie to watch. Today was such a pleasant day. Like, mm-hmm. I woke up excited. I woke up happy. Me like, too. just having something to look forward to, you know? So I appreciate the after franchise for yes. giving us something to look forward to. And if you listen to the pod, you know we've been looking forward to this for a long time. Long time. And I when think a lot delayed, of you guys are too. Yeah, I think so. I think if you're listening to this episode, you're either a fan of the After franchise or you like don't like it and you just want to hear us roast it, which yeah. I'd say we're going to do like a pretty decent amount of both. Once again, with Kissing Booth, there was no ally with me in those movies. However, with these, like, I'm gonna have to, like, give it some props here and there. So, like, you mm-hmm. will get a fair share of that, but you also will get a lot of roasting, so. Yeah. I think before we jump into it, I do have to say again, right off the bat, kind of like we said in the first one, while these are, like, cringy as all hell, and that we're gonna be poking fun at this movie, we cannot deny that it is not a wildly successful franchise. Mm-hmm. I did look up the second book, which is still on Wattpad, which is how it was originally created, mm-hmm. um, has over 516 million reads. That's like unfathomable to me. And that's not e- that's just the online Wattpad right. version. That's not physical book sales. We can't hate it. The fan base is super rabid, super dedicated. This movie is doing well in terms of like box office amidst a pandemic. Right. And like fans reaction so far from what I've seen have been really positive. We're ready to poke some fun at it. I do just have to say that it's successful and we can't really bash and we can't bash the success of it. Yeah. And the fact that it's signed on for not one, but two more movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, like the that third and also just book. shows that they're, they know that people are going to watch these movies and that's a smart decision 
for these like producers and filmmakers because of the success that the stories on Wattpad have had and the successful books. Yeah. Harry Potter, I feel like, doesn't even have... I mean, that might be a bold thing to say, but like that's so many reads. And so. same with Anna Todd, the writer of these. I think she's a little sus. We're going to get into the behind-the-scenes drama here mm. later, but like her, personally, a little sus. Also, the fact that she wrote this about like a teenage boy... Yeah. Mm. I have feelings about that. But again, I do have to say she has kept all of these books on Wattpad for free, as well as yeah. every book that she has written since, even though they've mm. been traditionally published, she has kept them on Wattpad for free. And yeah. she has said that because growing up, she didn't have money to buy books. So she turned to like online websites to be able to read them or she would like mm. buy books and return them. And yeah. she said that's always been important for her to have her material accessible to everyone. So I do just have to give her props for that because yeah, that, is, that cool. is really cool and like you do lose money for having it free right. online yeah so. but it did work out in her favor because then it like turned into this huge thing probably because of Wattpad so for sure without it and she's kind of paved the way now for Wattpad books to be turned into movies so mm. after it's a trailblazer <laughs> yeah, yeah bold <laughs> statement but it's true like for this niche group of stories and stories being turned into books and books being turned into films yeah she kind of did set the tone for that so she did so just to plug a couple things guys <gasps> if you're listening to this on Spotify Apple Podcasts Anchor wherever be sure to check out this episode that's available on YouTube because we do a visual only pre-show on there that you can only get on YouTube. Um, So check out our channel, Popcorn Chats on YouTube. We post new episodes that you can watch every Monday and new videos, vlogs. Obviously, we're going to have our reaction and viewing experience of After We Collided posted for this Friday's video, but we do new videos every Friday. So be sure to check that out and subscribe if you haven't already. And we have all of our social media linked below. Instagram, Twitter, Michaela's TikTok, Michaela's own personal YouTube channel, my own personal YouTube channel, and all my short films. <sighs> I don't There's think I'm missing anything. <laughs> but yeah, please go check us out. Support us. How's your week going? How you doing? It's going good. I mean, my week was pretty uneventful, like it typically is <laughs> every week during these mm-hmm. check-ins. I just, I work. I have a nine-to-five job that I work every day. So I do that, and then I check out of that, and then I pretty much read at night, and that's about it. Dancing with the Stars is on, and The Bachelorette is on, so I'm enjoying right. having new shows to be watching every week. That's fun. I haven't been watching The Bachelorette at all. I just can't be bothered. Like, I I just don't have an interest, unfortunately. It's okay. I mean, it's not the best season, but I'm more invested in what's happening next week because I think next week is when things yeah. all blow up. So I'm ready for that. Um, But yeah, as we talked about, the most exciting thing that happened to me this week was this movie coming out mm-hmm. and that Ashton Irwin dropped his solo album, which I talked about that in the pre-show. So you can go head over to that for my thoughts on that because I was living. I was living today. That's all I listened to all day long. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, those were the two most eventful things in my life to happen this week. So yeah, I don't know what that that says about me, but that's fine. No, I think it just says (sighs) that you're being safe and responsible and doing what scientists are telling us to do and have been telling us to do from the beginning. Cases are going crazy, guys. Like seriously, (laughs) please. I know you're sick of it. I'm sick of it too. You think I like doing nothing? I mean, Mm -hmm. like I love doing nothing. I have been the queen of always doing nothing. And now I would love nothing more than to do more than nothing. But you have to, you have to do it. 
Yeah. So. And especially with the holidays, yeah. too. Coming up, like, shopping is going to be scary. Hopefully most mm-hmm. people shop online this year. but And just, like, New Year's I'm scared about. And, like, just everybody traveling for Thanksgiving and Christmas. But speaking of all that, I don't have COVID, question mark. Um, yeah, so after our episode last week, I did end up testing negative again for a second time, which was weird because I was still having symptoms and I still have some symptoms like in my chest a little bit. I do run outside every day, so I don't know if that's maybe contributing. Yeah, so far I'm still negative. I still have to quarantine until this coming Monday. So when you guys are listening to this, I will be free, but I'm going to go to get a test that day. And if I'm negative, then then we will say that Katie never had COVID, which is crazy. My mom's doing fine. Thank you to everyone who's reached out. You don't want to get this. We have no idea what the lingering effects are going to be. I pray that my mom doesn't have anything down the line. Still be cautious. Still be careful. Like, mm-hmm. my family's still going to be super careful, if not more careful now that this happened. So, nothing catastrophic has really happened. And you know what? We will take it. Lately, we'll yeah. Take it. I will take it. I'll take just a nice, calm, quiet, uneventful week. All right, let's get into this goddamn movie because I'm so ready to talk about it. Okay, Katie, should we start with our standout cringe star and standout yes. cringe scene like we do? Hold okay. faithful. You go Old Faithful. Okay, my standout cringe star is fucking Trevor. I did Interesting. not like- What? Do you like him? I kind of liked Trevor. I, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. Go ahead. Sorry to Dylan Sprouse fans, but I just did not think he was that good in this. I thought his character sucked even more in this than he did in the books. I thought he was like a sarcastic little asshole in this movie. And he's not that way in the books. He's more like soft and like oh. is- the complete opposite of Harden. He's more of, like, the stereotypical, like, good guy, while Harden is, like, yeah. the stereotypical bad guy. And I just thought Trevor just seemed like such a dick in this movie. I was like, why? Huh. Why is she attracted to him at all? I didn't think that he really brought anything, like, special to this movie at all. Yeah, I thought, I just, every scene that he was in, I just was not vibing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like him. I definitely got that, like, he's the antonym of Harden. Like, he's meant to be the the good guy that Tessa could have, but, like, she loves Harden too much or whatever. I didn't like how he answered her phone for her. I think that's problematic. I got, like, definitely Jacob Black vibes. Um... <laughs> didn't like that at all but aside from that I just kind of liked how chill he was like I didn't like that it was this huge epic love triangle and I think part of that had to do with like they didn't spend a whole lot of time on Trevor and Tessa's relationship like we didn't get they like met and then they had to go on Christmas break right away and then they had lunch together and then and she like kissed him really quickly before she went on Christmas break and then which I felt was like super unearned and weird and like Mm -hmm. It's like, why do you feel the need to kiss this guy all of a sudden? I, I, I didn't feel like their relationship was good, but I liked Trevor as a character. I liked how he he was like, you're fucking toxic. Like, he just called Harden out, which I was like, yes, I've been trying to say that this whole time. And he just says yeah. it like it is. And I just think in the grand scheme of things, date a Trevor. Like, <laughs> if you take away anything from this film, date a Trevor, not a Harden. If you're in a real life situation like this, please Dea Trevor, not Harden. <laughs> you will thank me and yourself later. I don't know. I haven't seen Dylan Sprouse in a lot of things recently, but mm-hmm. 
he did a good job. And he does look really young. He looks like 16 in this movie. And I thought Mm -hmm. it was weird. Like they were trying to make him look really corporate. But I don't know. And I think it's cute how he's like crunching the numbers and like to try to find her a car. It's just cute. Like the way he shows affection and everything. But okay, that's all I'll say about Trevor for now. That's fine. Because I I did want to defend him. That's cool. Yeah. I did want to defend him. And I did have like notes about him. So I felt like I would just get him out of the way. Yeah, I will get into, like, my thoughts on him a little bit more when I want to talk about, like, the differences and similarities between the book a little bit. I know, Katie, you haven't read them, so, like, I'll try to be brief with them, but I'll save more of my thoughts on Trevor for, like, that portion. Okay. No, that's interesting. I think you should definitely talk about that. So who's your standout cringe star then? Well, I didn't want to say Tessa, even though like it's she was Tessa our last one. for me. But yeah, she was our last one. And I feel like in our Kissing Booth episodes, we also were like, Joey King is the standout cringe. And like, it is always the women character that is like the cringiest, the most unrealistic, the most stereotypical, just the worst. But I didn't want to focus on that again. So I decided to go with Harden's mom, which, okay, I know this is a curveball, but the actress is actually 50 years old, which she doesn't look at like good for her. She looks such a boss, you know, she's killing it. But at first I was like, oh my God, like they're literally the same age, like once again, (laughs) but no, okay. They actually did a good job with casting. Louise Lombard, good for you, girl. But I just don't like how she's an enabler of her son's behavior. And when she tells Tessa, like, he's better with you. He doesn't have the nightmares. Like, I went through so many therapists and none of them worked. Only you can fix him. Like, don't tell women that, especially when it's coming from his mom. Like, that is just Mm -hmm. so problematic. I think there's so many things about Harden and his character that almost try to justify his behavior and the way he treats people and the way he treats Tessa. And his mom is like one of those things. Like, she's like, I love your mom. And she stays because of the mom. The mom like guilt trips her into it and basically like makes Tessa stay with them for her birthday. Like who does that? I don't know. That's just not chill. And then I just feel like society has made telling women, oh, he's better with you. Like I just, he's so much better with you. Like we've made that a compliment and it's not a compliment. I like the idea of you make me want to be a better person and stuff, but don't put that type of pressure on women. And I just felt like that's all that Harden's mom was in this film to do. I will agree with that on your thoughts of like her guilt tripping Tess a lot in this. I will say I did like her and Josephine's interactions though because they just felt very like natural yeah. like their chemistry on screen together worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I 100% agree with you about her like being more of an enabler to Harden which again I hate to do this but I feel like I'm going to be doing this a lot that like she's not as much in the book which one of the the scenes that they left out I want to talk about that I feel like was a great scene from the book that they left out in the movie really showed that his mom was like Harden you suck and like I am not going to defend your behavior yeah um that they didn't put in this movie so I think from what we saw though I totally get how you see that And they do have moments where she's like, you messed up. Or, like, Tessa's telling her that he lied to her and stuff. And she, like, doesn't excuse that behavior. But she's constantly being like, go get her. Like, you gotta go after her and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's like, no. Like, he doesn't deserve to be with her. Stop. And Mm -hmm. it's the mom, Vance, Tessa's boss is like, 
she went that way. Like, no, this guy is like throwing shit against the wall and like he keeps constantly messing up. Like that's this whole movie is them like Mm -hmm. fucking and then getting in this huge fight and Harden like throws a lamp against the wall or punches somebody. And like these people are like, go get her, buddy. It's like, (laughs) Katie, you just described the whole plot of all four after books. (laughs) Literally, it's just uncomfortable. And uh, like if we flipped the script and she didn't love him back or if it wasn't this like, he treats I hate him but I love him like if she was just like get him away from me this would be a horror movie this would be a stalker movie this would be a kidnapping movie you know what I mean and for people to be like go get her when she's clearly in distress or clearly unhappy or like clearly mistreated don't like yeah so I thought the mom was an enabler and I didn't like her (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough okay standout cringy scenes um I have a few again I won't get like super into details on these but just the few that like caught my eye in this I will say overall this movie I didn't feel it was as cringy as the first one so I do just want to preface that um but the few scenes that stood out to me were Tessa's drunk call to Harden from the nightclub I felt like their acting on both ends was so over the top and just super cringy her acting drunk was cringy yeah and then his reactions were so over the top and that scene like it didn't match up for me that scene felt weird the second one was also when they okay i will get into this more later but i was glad that they like uh amped up the sexy times Mm -hmm. in this movie like thank you that's what the books were and like we needed more of that in the film however the scene when they are laying in bed together when she decides to stay when harden's mom is there and they're like three to want that scene is so long and then they just keep on going it was so unnecessarily long yeah and just like in the same frame shot it was just odd yeah i was secondhand embarrassed (laughs) and then just last little thing when tessa's mom called noah and then we were going back and forth on that phone call and she's like holding out the phone like this but she's not facetiming yeah that was bad it was i'm like why can't we know she's not FaceTiming. Why can't she just hold the phone up to her ear like a normal person and yell? Like, that whole situation that was, was just so weird. weird, too. Like, Noah and the mom. Like, what yeah. are they doing? I mean, Why they are they suck. still talking? I, I have a note about that later. Fuck. They suck. I hate both of their characters, and I hate both them in the yeah. book and in the movie. They are no better. I'm glad they're not in this that much. <laughs> yeah, especially Noah. He's yeah. just... Ooh, but it's just weird cringe. that she, like, goes home for two seconds and then goes back to him. Like, it's fucking Christmas. Okay. And your mom is, like, genuinely concerned. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Whatever. And that does happen in the book. She goes home. She, like, drives two hours home to her house. Her and her mom get in a fight within the first, like, ten minutes, and she turns around and drives two hours back to be with Harden and his mom. Like, that's that's what the whole movie is. It's, like, so reactionary, so, like, you do one little thing or there's one miscommunication or misunderstanding and I'm gone. I'm on a plane. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. I'm picking up all my stuff. Like, never again. It's like, how about just sit down and talk about it? Once again, Katie, you're talking about the whole four books here. <laughs> I know. Well, You also, would never make it through the books. Oh, you no. You would be driven up a wall. Oh, my God, no. And I think that's something that I need to accept. And, like, you guys listening, just bear with me. Because it's so hard for me to, like, keep my criticism at bay. But these films these books these stories they're just not for me like they're not made Mm -hmm. for me I just have a really hard time with stuff like this and I don't want to be this like cynical pretentious like poo poo person and I 
really was like trying to enjoy this movie and it was entertaining, but it just makes my skin crawl. Like I yeah. I don't like this kind of stuff and it makes me It's sad. not your type. Like you would never pick up these books and read them. No. And it's just it's not your type of story. Right. Where I have like a soft spot for these because these were like the first new adult books that I ever read. I only read them a year ago mm-hmm. and they were like the first new adult books and how I like discovered the new adult genre and like kind of romance genre yeah. in general. So for me, I they're almost like nostalgic for me. I can in a way, see that, yeah. Which is why I have a like obviously I can critique the hell out of them and like acknowledge that Katie, when you're saying these things, I'm like, you're right. Yeah. But at the same time I can't help but like want more of it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, and I have stuff like that too, you know, that's nostalgic for me, but it's like, okay, this isn't that good. But objectively I know it's not right. Good. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sorry. Your standout cringe scenes, Katie. I did just wanna bring up what you said about that one sex scene where they're like finger fucking yeah and they're like feel what that makes no i was ugh. <laughs> like that's not a normal human interaction people don't do that <laughs> i was <just> like <laughs> no <laughs> that's just... it's so it's so bad and then when they timed the countdown on new year's eve to them having sex upstairs. i thought somebody was gonna come in the door like i was just like what's gonna happen and then oh my god whatever my standout cringe i mean i I have a lot, but one I would just say would be Tessa getting drunk for the second time in the film and overindulging and calling Molly a whore multiple times. Mm -hmm. Don't slut shame. Unnecessary. Yeah. And their fight and then how that, like, leads into them. Tessa beating the shit out of this girl and then that, like, turns hearted on, of course, because he's, like, a fucking violent person. And then they have sex and, I don't know, that was cringy for me. No, I totally agree. I think the Molly-Tessa fight was coming for a while. Like, they obviously don't like each other. They've always had this sort of, like, jealousy rivalry. But the slut-shaming was so unnecessary that, like, drove it to that. Yeah. And the fact that everyone around her when Tessa's, like, is it true? that you're a whore and everyone's like ooh who would really be doing that right. no one would and also like i feel like tessa is supposed to be this character that is like kind of losing her innocence and growing up and like but she's a good person at the end of the day and like that just didn't vibe with that character and i feel like this movie is kind of tessa becoming like more of a bad girl and like discovering your sexuality and everything and that's all good and fine you go girl but like why does that have to be hand in hand with her having these bitchy moments where she's mm-hmm. kissing other guys to like get back at Harden? that's that's not nice like again super cringy and I don't know many women who would do that and that would be their first impulse to kiss somebody like right in front of him like right when something happens that's just mm-hmm. she does that twice throughout the film three times actually with trevor so like Mm -hmm. i it just i don't get why her kind of rebelling and like discovering new things and discovering herself has to be like with these bitchy moments where she's calling other girls whores and like they shouldn't be mad at each other they should be mad at the douchebag that they both had sex with yeah just my opinion but if she, if Tessa is going to forgive Harden for making this bet and like trying to move past that, then she needs to move past the people who exposed the bet and like told her the truth, you know? Like she needs to right. move on with that too. If you're forgiving one who actually did the horrible thing to you, like forgive the others who just 
let you know. And I mean, obviously they were shitty friends. Like she shouldn't be friends with any of them, mm-hmm. but. And that's just why it's such a toxic relationship is because Tessa's so immature. And that's why it all blows up at the end is because Tessa can't let go of this mistrust that she has in Harden, even though she says she forgives him. She can't let go of what he did, understandably, but she can't stay away from him long enough to like process it and get over it. And then Mm -hmm. that's why she's doing all these shitty things like she has this in her mind that he's like going behind her back and doing all this stuff and being a shady person so then she like kisses a guy the second heart and hurts her feelings or does something that she assumes is cheating but isn't i don't know she needs to grow up heart needs to go to therapy yeah that's my diagnosis as a non-professional <laughs> observer of this relationship I don't know. I felt like there, even though, like, there were cringy things, there were surprisingly a lot of decent things in this movie, I thought. Yeah. Should we just high level? I don't really want to get into anything too deep yet, but Katie, initial reaction, did you like this better than the first movie? Yes, I did. I enjoyed it. Okay. And there's two different directors. The first one had a different director, Mm -hmm. but I did feel like the second one added some more, like, heat to it, obviously. But still, it was a P. Or it was a rated R. Gotcha. It was rated R versus the first one was PG thirteen. Right. Yeah, but it still like maintained the same vibe and tone. I thought interesting. Like I thought the aesthetic was the same. The characters were the same. Like I don't know. Hmm. Okay, I want to talk about that. Okay, because I, I. I thought the tone was very different, and I thought the characters were very different. Huh. Okay, I mean, just, like, the overall aesthetic and, like... I think it looked the same. Right, that's kind of what I mean. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Um. and then I like how it's Hardin's narration in this one. Is that how it is in the book? So the first book is all Tessa's point of view. The second book and third and fourth are dual POV between gotcha. Hardin and Tessa. Okay, well, which I, liked... I preferred. I much like getting a dual point yeah. of view, and I totally agree that in this film it was so much better to be more of a dual POV between the two of them yeah. versus just Tessa. Yeah, I liked how it opened with his narration and how like Hardin's more cynical and like critical personality kind of calls out the fact that like we've seen this story before. I'm like, yeah, bitch. And how it's like an overdone plot and stereotypical female lead is super like evident in the story. Um, And I like how he calls out that he's dramatic and then is immediately dramatic, like right after that, waking up by a train track. Um, And that was random. It was, but I think it was to like introduce that, um, that man that like approaches him. And wants to talk to him. And I knew that that was going to come back. And like her dad coming back at the end. I I don't know. I was like, okay, they, they tried to do something. And they did somewhat of something. So I don't know. Katie, you know on the pod we love a montage. Did you love the opening montage? Because I know I did. Yeah, are you talking about like Harden going to get a tattoo and stuff? And how that was like then playing back clips from the first movie yeah. and stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how he, yeah, he was like laying out the plot and stuff with like... The flashbacks to the mom and them having sex and stuff. She gives herself to him. Gag me. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And I did like him going to get a tattoo. I'm more intrigued by, like, Hardin's story and, like, what he's doing right off the bat. I don't give a fuck about Tessa. I hate Tessa. The way he's dealing with the breakup because he's never and his line okay when he says i like the pain that should be a cringy line but i didn't cringe because i was like this is interesting like his character 
this person, he's never dealt with heartbreak like this before. He's never felt this type of pain. So, like, to say that he likes the pain, it's like, okay, that actually makes sense with this character and shows that he's Mm -hmm. never been in a relationship like this before. And that is the theme, or not the theme, but, like, that is his character this entire film is he knows that Tess is the only person for him, apparently. That's what he says. But he is so new at this type of relationship and he wants it to work out. But there's, like, he's damaged and, you know, it's hard for him. So I just felt like that line, I like the pain and him getting a tattoo and everything. It just worked. Um, And I was shocked that I didn't cringe at that. And I just felt like it was a good moment. I like that you liked more of Harden's character because I didn't know if you would vibe with that or not. Because me personally, I loved getting more of his character. I liked getting his POV in it. And I liked that we got more of his backstory because in the book, obviously, that's a lot more prevalent. And I felt like Harden's character was the biggest improvement for me from the first movie to this movie. He was so soft and like he was supposed to be a bad boy in the first movie. But like, he's not really a bad boy. This movie he's toxic he's volatile and he's a bad boy but it was like I was living for every single moment that he was like screaming he was a lot more he did um, scream a lot yeah yeah which in the book he goes from like zero to 100 all the time like he has no chill and that was much more uh and that was portrayed a lot more and this film was like that zero to 100 kind of mindset that he has and the trigger on his emotions which I really liked seeing I I was living for the toxicity that was this film (laughs) and I liked getting more of his backstory because I think without it if you're just looking at Harden you're like why are you the way that you are and you get that little glimpse of the wedding in the first movie when he tells about the story about his mom and some of his resentment towards his dad but you don't get into that anymore you get that like one little scene that maybe like 30 to seconds to a minute of dialogue and that's it where this you're seeing him having the nightmares you're seeing his relationship with his mom you're seeing even more of his relationship with his dad I actually loved the scene when he punched his dad at the party Mm. I thought that that was actually really great I thought that you could really see like the pain and resentment that Harden has towards his dad Mm -hmm. and we get so much more of that in the book that I just felt like the Harden from the first movie was not really anything like the character that was built in the books where this was a lot closer and I think that made it stronger because does anyone maybe some people like Tess okay Tessa is just not my kind of character, and we talked about this in the first episode that we did covering the first movie, that Tessa is not a character that Katie or I jive with. She's not the kind of character that either of us like. So in this movie, I, again, she was fine, but, like, I don't care about Tessa's story. I only care about her in terms of how her relationship affects Harden, because I like him a lot more as a character between, if you're picking between the two. He's the person that I care about getting the backstory, the dialogue, Mm -hmm. the conflict. Like, I want to see more of that in him, and I don't really care about Tessa. So I'm glad that we got more heart in this. Yeah, and we we definitely got more of that in this film. And I think this actor, I think he has potential beyond these films. I would be interested to see him in a more sophisticated role someday, because... That thing you mentioned about him screaming and yelling, those moments were so jarring and so true to the character, true to, like, this emotional turmoil that he's going through and this inability to, like, control his emotions and his really, like, visceral reactions to Tessa kissing somebody else in front of him. His anger in those moments were very... They they came through very well on screen, but they weren't always super overdone, which I admired. So I could... I don't know. I could see this actor going on 
Whereas no offense, Miss Langford, but um, I think this is where you will remain. This realm of films, <laughs> which I I'm sure agree. you're getting that check. So I would do yeah, it too for a I'm check. I'm sure she's getting some good money. One of the other things too that I liked about this was that Harden and Tessa's relationship in this was a lot more toxic than in the first movie, which as Katie, you said earlier on when you're like, all they do is like fight, have sex, make up fight like that's literally four books worth of plot and I feel like we finally got the toxic fighting that I wanted I wanted them yelling at each other I wanted them fighting and we finally got some of that Mm. and in those moments though Tess is just not bringing it sorry Josephine like I just I don't feel like she is matching heroes level of commitment Mm. there are certain moments like when she yells like there is no your Tessa anymore in the Mm. hallway I was like oh okay but then their fight out at the New Year's Eve party I felt way more like visceral emotion out of hero than I did out of her definitely yes but Um, I thought their chemistry was so much better in this one like you could tell that they were both a lot more comfortable with each other yeah and a lot more comfortable in their roles yeah I don't know I obviously didn't love like the toxic relationship and everything I didn't read the book so like that's not what I'm obviously like looking for yeah we can get into that more later it's a it's okay I I will admit this it's entertaining to watch but I feel like dirty (laughs) you know like I don't want to be I don't know do you want to talk about that now or is there something else that you wanted to jump into first i have some more positive things okay okay because that'll be all negative okay yeah what are some of your positive things um i i mean okay i thought that the work event that tessa was at where it's literally just like a nightclub rager completely unrealistic yes but i did love it i loved that scene i just thought it was so fun and i liked the dual party like they're both at a party And they both are, like, thinking about each other. I appreciated that. And I just, this whole movie just made me miss partying and made me miss being out at clubs. It made me miss college. Like, the college party, I did think they do a good job of making that authentic. Minus the truth or dare. That's not a thing. But I think a college house party, they they do kind of nail that. At least the ones that I've been to. Seeing three people drink out of the same bowl, though, I was like, oh, what is that? Get out, get out, get out. (laughs) But I can only hope to have a job where it's like you need to drink sex on the beach with a client to get him to land the deal. Like, yeah, hopefully I'm down for sure if I ever need to do that. I liked the roommate when she was like, don't you have some dick to suck? (laughs) I miss the roommate and I wanted more of her in this movie. But I did really like that about this movie where I thought all the characters were just like a little darker, a little edgier and like a little more cunning with each other that their digs at each other just like really win there so then when she said that I was like oh shit it just felt a lot more like true to a college aged character where the other one felt it was like Mm PG-13 insults where this was like true rated R insults like going back and forth yeah except for Uh, the whore thing cutting and worth yeah the whore and the virgin like don't I don't that was annoying the whole scenario with her spilling wine like in a drunken mishap who hasn't done that? and then we see that hardens coming and then it's like uh it's just a it was a decent scenario it was like a good little anxiety inducing like oh no he's gonna be super mad and it's gonna look bad and he's gonna take it the wrong way and all this stuff um i liked the ice skating scene i thought it was super fun to see harden kind of out of his element 
and it was just funny. It was rude. Harden is me ice skating. Yeah. I cannot ice skate for shit. I just like that idea of like doing a perfect day date for somebody. I think that's super cute. Mm-hmm. But it was all ruined when he tells her that she is a nice bum at yoga. And I just, I hate PDA. Like for me, that yoga session would have been my absolute nightmare. And when he's like, "I'm, are you turned on? I would have been like, no. Like, what are you trying to do? Have sex in front of all these people at hot yoga? I'm gross. I'm disgusting. And when she's like, just let me shower. That is me. I don't want to kiss anybody if I haven't brushed my teeth. I don't want to, like, be near anybody if I haven't showered. Like, I just want to be clean. That whole scenario is my nightmare. And him being like, you have such a nice bum. I would have kicked him in the face because we are in public, sir. Like, that is not all right. Control yourself. Jeez. When they're in the shower and we see his booty. I scream. <laughs> he has a perfectly shaved ass. I've never met a guy who has that going on, but okay. And it was. Do you think he had a butt double? Maybe. I don't know. It just didn't look right. But then I was like really hyper focused on his butt the rest of the time, like, and how it looked in his pants. And it did kind of look like. It looks like really small and weird, but I don't know. I'm not a butt analysis person, but. You're not a butt analyst. It just looked like. It was not how I pictured his butt. I just think all of these scenario scenarios clicked for me as like they're so fan fiction. Like they all mm-hmm. are just I, I think to me that's just why they don't make sense is because they com- completely disregard all laws of reality and normal human interaction and lifestyle because they're like they're somebody's fantasy which is fine and I don't in this episode I don't want to like kink shame or like fetish shame or fantasy shame or anything but this is like taking it to another level in a way and so yeah just like the whole perfect day scenario of like going ice skating then going to yoga and then showering and like all this stuff and Tessa having an internship when she's a first semester freshman and like the timeline of all of this when you think about it it's just so fantastical and it really doesn't add up and I to watch this movie you can't be focused on that that's just like something that again I struggle with Mm -hmm. when that all clicked for me I found it more enjoyable yeah I will agree I think this movie is packed full of cliches that's kind of what I expected when we're talking like first movie versus second movie I liked this one better and I think it's because it met every single one of my expectations and my expectations were not high I literally just wanted to be entertained I wanted it to be like a little more toxic and closer to the book Yeah, and I just wanted something to like sit back and enjoy that I could just kind of like turn my mind off and mindlessly watch some drama unfold and it hit all of those expectations for me so is this like Oscar worthy? No, no, but I was not expecting it to be. If you are expecting no, yeah. the like acting to be phenomenal, the plot lines to be all completely fleshed out, the dialogue to be stellar, like this is not the movie for yeah, you. No, but you if can't. you go in like expecting it to be fan fiction-y and a little fluffier, but also like kind of dark with some of the like tone in this one. At least I thought I want to get into tone with you, but I think like expectations wise, mine were met for this. For sure, for what I was yeah. wanting out of it. Yeah, same. I was like hoping my expectations were the same as yours, low, and like I wanted to be entertained, and I was entertained, and I was hoping that it would be a little bit better than the first one, since like we were hearing rumblings that it was really good, and that the heat level was gonna be taken up a notch and that Mm -hmm. expectation was met for sure would I like to be in some of these situations like you know fantasizing about like putting myself in Tessa's shoes sure 
maybe once in a blue moon or like, but would I want this for a relationship for my life? Hell no. And if you're noticing that that's how you feel when you're watching this movie, question that, interrogate that. For my book people who've read the book, um, I want to real quick run down some of the like blaring differences and similarities. I haven't read this book since last year. I had started rereading it in mm-hmm. hopes to like finish it before the movie came out. I only got like to like page 250 because I was just reading other books and I was more into them. So I kind of put it to the wayside. Yeah. The biggest difference is the opening sequence at Vance, completely different than how it is in the book, which again, I'm not going to say that necessarily any of these differences are bad things. They're just things that I'm noting that were different. The conference in Seattle, we were missing a lot of things that were similar to the book. It was pretty different. Trevor and Tessa's relationship is a lot different. Trevor's character is just a lot different. In the book, like I said, he's much more stereotypical, like good guy. And in this, he's really not, I mean, like he's nicer, but he's a bit of an asshole Mm -hmm. where, or at least I thought so, where in the book, he's not, he's very like prim and proper. Christian's character as well is super different. Christian, I don't he's just super different if you've read the book you know Harden doesn't know about the job offer in this book that Tessa gets to go to Seattle she gets it towards the end of the book I believe and she knows that she wants to accept it when Harden goes and gets gets this tattoo on his back which then turns into a fight in the third book that he's like I got this tattoo about never wanting to get separated from you when you Mm -hmm. knew that you were leaving Seattle that's good also Zed once again his character in the first movie was like kind of washed out where in the book he's a huge character and in this book specifically he is a giant character in this book it's not really a love triangle between tessa trevor and harden it's much more like tessa harden and zed in the book trevor is like a minor character yeah she like goes on a date with him but he's never really like in the running or zed is like a really big character Mm. it did include a lot of the same like i said the tone was very similar to the book or a lot more similar the spice level was definitely closer to the book um the toxic relationship was much closer to the book harden was as well as a lot of the scenes i'll buy some slight differences like harden's mom visiting the kindle gift ice skating yoga new year's eve like i feel like for the most part they captured a lot of the like biggest scenes and did put them into this which is cool but there was one scene that I missed because Katie this is where I think you would have seen Trish being more of like my son sucks and like I can't defend his behavior so in the book Tessa and Harden and Harden's mom are all chilling at their apartment when Tessa's mom shows up after she like leaves after their fight and being frustrated and she shows up and she says in front of Harden's mom the bet, which obviously in the book we know the bet was worse than in the movie. But she shows up and is like, did you know what your son did? And like the moms kind of get into it for a bit until Trish hears that Harden made this bet. And she was like, you did this again because he had done this to a girl in London before. Harden has a history of making bets on women Ew. in the books. And his mom was aware of that, but she didn't know that he did that to Tessa. And when she finds that out, she pulls Tessa aside and she's like Tessa you need to leave with your mom she's like this is not right for you like you need to get away from this and I just missed that because in the book it's such an explosive scene because you have Tessa's mom who is wild you have Harden who is wild and then Tessa who doesn't who is like becoming uh less in control of her emotions mm-hmm. and then Trish uh she's like a bit of a badass yeah. but then when she finds out about Harden obviously uh sides with Tessa's mom on this so I missed that scene yeah I wish that Trish would have had that moment to be like Harden and like smack him upside the head yeah what are you doing 
I would have liked that a lot, too. I think you would have appreciated that. For scene, sure. Especially knowing that you weren't, like, the biggest fan of Trish. Right. Which I don't... I totally agreed with your other stuff on Trish, but just saying. Yeah. Some miscellaneous notes that I had quick. I just want to say those poor other people staying in the hotel when they're screaming in the hallway. Mm. I'm shocked they didn't get kicked out. I liked that she wore, like, a sexier red dress to the New Year's Eve party for the frat party. Because yeah. in the first movie, she wears, like, that really conservative red dress. So I just yeah. felt like we had two different red dresses, two different tesses. It really showed, like, her character change from the first movie to the second. Right. And, like, a very subtle detail. Yeah. So I did like that. Zed is kind of doing it for me in this movie. He's hot. Yeah. The cab driver as a star, I thought she was, she made the most of her moments in the film. Yeah. The very small moments that there were. And we love a nice little author cameo. Once again, I think if you turn a book into a movie and if the author is involved, I like to see a little cameo made. Where was she? She was at the club when so it's, they're like having a little conversation in a booth and it's very brief and you hear someone ask her like, oh, so what have oh, you written? Yeah. And she's like, oh, this and that. And it pans. That was her. Cute. So I just think like, you know, it's cool if you put a little cameo in. I don't think, now think about it, I don't think Suzanne Collins was in any of the Hunger Games. But I don't think she was like as involved with those. Where like Veronica right. Roth, she was, she made a cameo in the first Divergent film and Anna Todd was in the first After film for a little moment. So Stephanie Meyer was in cool. Twilight. Yeah. I just think like I, if I ever publish a book and would ever have a movie made of any of my books, I want a cameo. Mm. The publish like working for a publishing company is a stereotype that I'm just over, particularly because in this movie it's like so glamorous. And I don't know a whole lot about like working for a publishing company and everything, but Anastasia works at a publishing company in Fifty Shades of Grey. Like it's just such a stereotype for the girl who like romanticizes these types of relationships and is it finds herself in the relationships that she reads about. Like, ugh, I don't know. I'm just over it. Think of something new. Yeah. And the fact that she has her own office. Yeah, like, no. It's this whole very... internship doesn't happen. If you're no. in the time of your life where you're applying for internships, this isn't you're not this isn't the this. deal, honey. Most likely you're not no. even getting paid. Even like a real job is not like this. No. <laughs> it's just no. it's not. And also they're still supposed to be in college, but we never see her going to class in this one. Which no. granted a lot of it does happen over Christmas break. But still, we, like, never have any mention of college, which I just think is, is interesting. Well, yeah, and she's <laughs> a first semester freshman. Like, the yeah. timeline of this. So the first movie takes place when school, when college first starts for Tessa. And then it ends at some point. But we pick up in this film around fall time. Like, she gets this internship. And then it goes until Christmas this is a very short amount of time. These people have been together if they, like, started school in August. They've known each other for, like, four or five months. Like, that's the span of these two films. It's a very, a short, very short amount, amount of, time. of time. It's a semester of college. Right. And Her then a winter first break. semester of college, she already has an apartment. She already has an internship that is, like, wanting her to transfer schools because she's that good. It's a fantasy. Like, this is a fantastical story. It's just Which is fine. It's fine. Because yeah. it is fiction. But just saying people, if that's your expectation, lower it's them. Not how it's gonna be. Yeah, and that's a very common trend in films like this. Timelines being so short and this relationship like moving very quickly. Twilight, for example, takes place when did they meet? Like her Junior year? Junior year, I think. I saw this TikTok where it broke down the whole timeline of it, and I should have saved it. Yeah, but it's a very short amount of time, regardless. They they meet, like, sophomore 
or junior year, pretty sure it's junior year, and then Edward leaves for, like, more than half the time, and then they get married, and then she's pregnant. Like, it's a common theme for relationships like this, and it's because their love is so intense, but it's capturing the infatuation period of relationships. Relationships like this are not a lifetime thing in reality. I just want to make that super clear for, like, any young people listening and watching these movies. Enjoy them not judging you for being entertained by this movie. I'm entertained by it too. And I like inserting myself in this position. That's the whole point of fan fiction is to like insert yourself into the main character. I would argue that that's the point of like all movies is to insert yourself into that situation and say, what would I do and stuff? Be critical of this on some level. And if you ever find yourself in a situation like this, please take it seriously. And like, it shouldn't be romanticized like this. You shouldn't be in a situation like this. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. And I don't say that to like be a downer and like rain on our parade or anything because I do like discussing this movie and it's fun to talk about. But I've been in situations like this. I've seen friends in situations like this. So I can't just not say anything. You have the same opinions as a lot of people do with the toxicity of your relationship and how you said that you felt dirty watching this. It is so romanticized where my stance on it, I'm like, it's fiction. It's a book. It's I, that's plot to these stories is like them fighting and making up, fighting and making up. And no, like that's not something that I want for my life. And I know that I can read this or watch this and be entertained by it and know that like I I can separate fiction and reality but I think with this specifically and why you kind of have an issue with it is because it is targeted at Mm -hmm. younger audiences who have a harder time or could potentially have a harder time separating fiction and reality right where as us being 23 that's not even like I'm not trying to be like oh we're 23 right But I think because, like, we can look at this a couple steps back Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that. And I think with, like, a lot of the material that I read, I have to, like, know that I'm separating, like, reality and fantasy Mm -hmm. from each other. Mm -hmm. That it's easier for me to, like, click that on and off now where younger audiences can't do that as much. So while I'm super entertained by the toxicity of their relationship in this movie in particular... It's not necessarily the greatest thing for younger audiences to be seen. Right. But granted, this is rated R. It is rated R. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, the filmmakers, producers are making an effort to target an older audience mm -hmm. with this film. But the fact that it's being released digitally, it's like, you know, you can only do so much at the end of the day. And if young people want to see this, they're going to see it. Like you were saying, you know, for yourself... It's fiction. And obviously, like, I'm telling myself that, too. But for some people, like, this is this isn't fiction. And, like, people find themselves in situations like this. These types of relationships have been romanticized since we were young. Toxic, moving too fast, seemingly healthy, but just not good relationships since we were young. And, like... I'd young- argue, like, back even oh, before for sure. us. Like, for yeah. stories... For as long as stories have been around... For sure. This, like, sort of toxic relationship has always been romanticized. Exactly. Well, yeah, and they talk about in the movies, like, the old the classic classics. novels that <laughs> Tessa loves all follow this kind of same pattern. A girl trying to find herself falls in love with a guy who like helps her find herself, but in like a not good way. But we don't, we don't recognize that. We don't call it out. And we, we've been romanticizing these types of relationships, like Mikhail said, for so long. Like this is the same relationship in Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey in The Kissing Booth. And it's not a critique on the relationships. It's painting it in a 
desirable light and you yeah you could argue that more people who are more mature are able to like distinguish that and realize that but any age there's toxic relationships like Mm -hmm. and when you're in one it's harder to to recognize that and realize that and movies like this don't don't help at all because it's kind of just like well if you really love each other like you'll make it work and you know it's gonna if you really love someone that doesn't justify you being tr- treated poorly or you treating somebody poorly. And in the defense, not even defending, showing this kind of relationship on screen. However, I will say it does make for a more dynamic plot yeah. and a more dynamic viewing experience. And if you think about it, watching like a super healthy, functional relationship play right. out on screen is not going to be the most entertaining thing. Right. I'm not saying that that's like a good thing or a bad thing or like it would be awesome to see more like a striving or thriving healthy relationships on screen. However, you're just not going to get that because yeah. people would be bored watching that. Where in real life, hopefully, hopefully you can acknowledge that that is what you would want for yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say with no, that. No, I I'm totally that, see like, what I think you're it saying. Makes, it makes sense of why we've seen right. these stories over and over and over again because they work on screen and they work in novels. Exactly. What I'm just tired of is like characters like Tessa it's like they're trying to portray a woman who's like discovering herself and like finding success in her career but like having these relationship problems and it's just not an authentic portrayal like she in the first movie she's barely going to class she's struggling in school but then lands this dream of an internship which we I guess find out Harden pretty much got her the job so I don't know if you want to show a woman like finding herself and uh new adult book or story or movie focused on a girl like finding herself in college and everything like I'm totally down for that but it shouldn't have to be like toxic violent ass dude evoking that change in her I wish that would be just my like choice in film that I would want to watch and would want to be like perpetuated in the media but I think the lines are being they're only being blurred more I think people are struggling to distinguish fiction from reality I think it's moving in a direction that it's like it's getting harder to distinguish that or like people aren't distinguishing that as well like it's moving in the wrong direction in my opinion if you go on TikTok like obviously Draco TikTok talk is a big thing right now that we talked about like which it's all good and fine and whatever people love harry potter but romanticizing a character like draco he's not a good character and some of these tiktoks are like he's a good guy and like kind of getting into draco's character more and wanting to see like more of draco's character but some of them are like draco's mistreating me and we have this toxic relationship and blah 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 so we're still seeing this in the new form of media that is tiktok and there's even people who think that they can shift into the harry potter reality and like people want this fiction to be reality in some cases and it just it worries me that these are the stories that like are making the cut and being told while we're on this topic we'll get, then we can kind of wrap up like this yeah uh like i want to move on conversation. Like sad. i just want to ask you katie i wanted to know if it caught your eye because this one scene is like i think the biggest point of contention in the second book among critics of being like crossed a line for some people where in the books you obviously get more context and you're in tessa's head in this but when hardin goes to seattle and tessa is drunk and he is not and they have sex did that, like, catch you wrong watching the movie at all? The first sex scene in the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, when she's like, you either fuck me or you leave, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't love it, of course. I think he was asking for consent. You know, he was like, are you sure? I mean, it wasn't great, but it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel good about saying that, like, 
come for me all you want. Like, I probably should criticize this scene more, but in the grand scheme of things and with how problematic these films can be at times, I think it could have been worse. He asked for consent. He had a condom. She kind of made it very clear that, like, I'm drunk and I want to have sex with you right now. I'm going to be mad about it in the morning. And that all played out and was true, but she wasn't like, I didn't want to have sex with you the next morning, Mm -hmm. you know? And he's like, should we talk about it? And all this stuff. Like, he is thinking about it, if that makes sense. Like, it's Mm -hmm. on his radar. And he doesn't want to be taking advantage of her. And he gets on Trevor for... He's assuming that that's what Trevor was going to do. And, like, he doesn't like that. And he says he doesn't want to do that. But then he ends up doing it. And I think it's just, like, showing how weak Harden can be when it comes to Tessa. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, if somebody's drunk, maybe don't have sex with them and, like giving consent drunk is a gray area and especially if you're in at this point in your relationship where it's like you're not together and it's you know that can again just be very toxic and vicious cycle if you want to avoid conflict and have genuine consent wait till you're sober and then if you're in like a good place in your relationship and you're both drunk and like saying you want to have sex when you're drunk that's probably fine but, I mean, you you just have to gauge the situation. Like, I don't know. Just be smart. Don't have sex with yeah. somebody if they should if, like, you shouldn't be. I don't know. I was just interested if it caught your eye at all. Because I was kind of surprised that they kept it in. I mean, granted, we saw it in the teaser trailer, that line. Yeah. But just, I was, I was just surprised that they chose to keep this scene in from the book. Because it was, I mean, obviously from, like, most people reading the book, they didn't really care. But from, like, the people who really harshly criticized the books, which there are... <laughs> bunch of people they were like this scene they thought is problematic it is and i'm not going to like disagree with them um i think in the book you do get more like harden does resist a lot more and tessa does push a lot more and then in the morning like tessa says multiple times in her pov and in her brain she's like i don't regret or I don't regret what I did, blah, blah, blah. So you can get that in the book where you know that, like, she doesn't feel like that Harden kind of, like, tricked her into anything. Mm-hmm. I was just surprised that they chose to put it in the movie. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't get into Tessa's head and hear those thoughts, and you can only have Harden saying, like, no, I don't want to take advantage of you so many times, where in the book it's repeated over and over and over again. Yeah. Where in the movie he pretty much only says it once. But yes, he did get consent. But it's just, like, a gray area. It is. Like you said, it's a gray area, and I'm just very surprised that they put it in it is kind of like too much of a gray area to be putting in again like a film that young kids are going to see one way or another whereas Mm -hmm. like you and I can kind of distinguish and it's just hard like you can't each situation regarding like consent and when alcohol is involved like it's different and you really have to like gauge the situation and do what's right in that moment and What was probably right in this moment was for Harden to leave, but that's not the story. It's like these two can't resist each other, and that's Mm -hmm. just what the story is. And it wouldn't be this story if he did leave. However, when you're, again, showing this situation to young people, if they're ever in a situation like this or a similar situation where it's, like, even more of a gray area and, like, consent is just may or may not have been given and it's, like, alcohol is involved again, it's just hard. So 
I do worry about stuff like that being portrayed, but it didn't necessarily bother me maybe as much as it should have. I don't know. Yep. I think it's just, it's situational. And I don't think that this is like the realm that people should be learning anything about it from. Definitely. You shouldn't be learning anything from these movies. But we don't talk about like consent enough. It's not like schools are having this conversation. So it's like, where else are people going to learn it from necessarily? Yeah. First thing that I want to dive into quickly because, or not, I don't know if it'll be super quick, but you said at the beginning of this that you thought that the tone felt very similar and that you thought the characters felt very similar. I wanted to know that Katie, as you as someone who hasn't read the books, I wanted to know if you could tell the tone difference from the first movie to this, but thinking that you like might have thought the same thing that I did, but you didn't, but you thought that the tone felt very similar. So I want to know like just your thoughts on the tone and like the characters in general on how you thought that they felt similar from the first movie i think i more meant like the visual like the way the film was shot the way the story was told it felt similar but i i definitely felt like the plot was turned up a notch like the heat of everything was turned up a notch the heat of their relationship and again just like that cycle of like fucking fighting blowing up and like leaving that was definitely different than the first movie, but still, I don't know how to describe it. I just felt like it was the same situation, the same characters, just all turned up a notch. I didn't feel like yeah. these were two different characters. I felt like it was Tessa has changed. I'm not going to say matured because I think she's super immature and that's like her flaw in this relationship, but she's experienced a lot more. She's lost her virginity. She has this job. She's been going to college and meeting all these friends and drinking and, you know, so she's changed and evolved from who she was in the first movie. So like Tessa is turned up and she kind of has like more autonomy. She's more comfortable with herself and like like kind of speaking up for herself more, like yelling and fighting with Harden and calling um, Molly a whore, which I don't agree with, but you know, she's more outspoken. But the same Tessa, you know, the same girl that we met in the first movie. And same with yeah. Harden, like we're getting more, a more vulnerable side to him as we see him just really in love with Tessa. We're getting more of his backstory, but I felt like it was the same character just turned up a notch and then their relationship totally in agree. general. I think everything from, like, the first movie was just amplified yeah. and darker. Yeah. I think it almost reminded me of Fifty Shades in a way, where, like, the first movie was, like, the trial run a bit, and Fifty Shades Darker was, like, a little darker, a little edgier. I thought the characters, like, Jamie and Dakota felt much more comfortable in each of their roles, and, like, much more comfortable in making them a little more three-dimensional, and I felt the same exact way about Josephine and Hero with Harden and Tessa. I felt like both of them felt angstier and edgier and darker, which mm-hmm. I really liked. I think the tone in the second book is very similar to the first book. However, the it finally matched the film, if that makes okay. sense. Like the first the first movie did not feel like the first book. Yeah. But the second movie feels more similar to the tone of the books, which right. I liked a lot. And I thought that all the characters, like we kinda of talked about a bit earlier, they were all like turned up a notch. Yeah. The spice level, obviously that was as well, which I mean, it's kind of like Fifty Shades. Like, what do you want? Do you really want all the talking? Like, I mean, we need we need some of those times thrown in yeah. here. And, like, it's such a huge part of the book is them just having sex. So, mm-hmm. obviously, we, like, need that in the film more. But I think that the relationships with the characters and, like, the comebacks and the banter and stuff just felt much more accurate, 
I yeah. guess. And like I said, edgier and just turned up from the first movie, which I liked the tone of this one better. And I think that has Me to too. come with the director change too. Um, I would not want to see a PG-13 rating on this movie and not the third book either. And definitely not the fourth book. Like they got to keep, I'm sure they will keep the R rating on the next two as well. Yeah. Like it should have been R from the beginning. This has never been a PG-13 uh, plot. <laughs> It's crazy how similar this actually is to Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, how the first movie leaves off with them, like, breaking up. The second one is him immediately trying to get her back and, like, I can't live without you and all this stuff. And the main character, the female protagonist, like, evolving and becoming more sure of herself now that she's been penetrated and all this stuff. Like, it's it's very, very similar, even to the, like, the publishing job thing. The, ma- the male character, too, like, the childhood trauma and that like feeding into their anger or their like controlling nature that's very similar in Fifty Shades mm-hmm. and this and I also don't like how that is used to justify the behavior Katie one thing that bothered me about this movie that I want to get your thoughts on is that they never have a conversation acknowledging the actions from the first movie and like moving past it and getting back together yeah. they basically just start having sex and they're like back in a relationship they never really talk about it and I want to know if as someone like yourself who has not read the books did everything make sense to you like plot wise filling in those holes because for me I can fill in the details that I've read and fill them in in the movie where you don't have that watching this so like the flow the plot them getting back together all of a sudden like did all of that make sense to you or did it feel like holy here and there or not holy what do I yeah (laughs) like like yeah, like there's the gaps. gaps, yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously this movie doesn't make sense to me because it again, it's like who is doing this in a 4-month, 5-month period. <laughs> but yeah. any like all that aside, it did it did flow for me. It did make sense because okay. right off the bat they established like they can't stay away from each other no matter what. Both of them kind of feel the same way and like I love you, but I hate you. They just both kind of acknowledge that right right off the bat. There's no real resistance. As soon as Tessa is, like, calling him drunkenly, like, she's drunk, but then, like, even after that, she's, like, still wanting things to happen. So, I don't know. I just think it didn't make sense, but it did. The, The action that I saw on screen did make sense. Obviously, it's problematic that they never address the fact that, you know, he played her in the first movie. They never have a conversation about that. But again, it's like, that's their flaw. That's these characters' issue is like, they're not doing the serious work that needs to be done in a relationship. They're just having all the fun parts that come with being in a new relationship or just being in a relationship in general. But then that kind of blows up in their face. And the fact that they never sit down and have a conversation creates the issue later of Tessa just not being able to trust him mm-hmm. and take and assuming all these things about him. I mean, that aids the conflict that happens later in the film. Exactly. So, the lack of communication was accurate. Yeah. Like, they don't have good communication and that it was only uh, more showcased in this by them never really talking about anything. Right. Relationships are super fun and like there's all these fun things that come with having somebody that you really vibe with and like spending time with and that's the infatuation period of a relationship it's just like all you want to do is be around them and maybe there's some red flags or like some things that you guys like butt heads on but you just overlook it and you don't talk about it and you just like push it down because you love spending time with that person so much and you love being around them but Mm -hmm. that only 
lasts for so long and at some point no matter how far down the line and no matter how much you love somebody you're gonna clash at some point and these two are already clashing within the first five minutes of their them knowing each other so of course they're gonna clash (laughs) when they're being in a romantic relationship you have to address that at some point you can't just fuck away the issues like i'm sorry (laughs) that doesn't work for anybody and that's, you know, that's the conflict. That's the plot in this mm-hmm. in this movie. And it works for the movie. But again, like, there's no such thing. There is such thing as this kind of relationship. Like, if all you want to do is have sex, this is how your relationship is going to go. Especially if you have conflicting personalities like this. At yeah. some point, you have to sit down and talk things out and address the issues. Sex will always be there. But, like, you gotta communicate. You have to talk about it. And they are very good at doing that. So, which, once again, it makes the plot more interesting. Right. If they did just air out everything right at the beginning, if at the New Year's Eve party, Tessa would have just been like, hey, can you please tell me who that girl was that you were just with? And like very calmly asked him and they had a discussion about it. Obviously, they would never fight, but that would make no fun to watch. Right. And I've seen relationships where it is like this vicious cycle where it's like we're broken up, fuck that guy, and then they get back together and all this stuff. And They do, like, sometimes people genuinely do want to be together, and the magic solution is literally just, like, sitting down and airing out your shit and talking about it. And then, oh my god, magically, we're in a good and healthy relationship. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's not that complicated. I think Tess and Harden could potentially work it out, but they have to do some serious work on themselves. Tessa Mm -hmm. should maybe, like, go to college, go to class that she's enrolled in. I'm excited for the third book because there is a lot more of her going and actually the fourth book like they take a long ass break from each other which they need and you can tell that it's like healthy for them I'll be interested to see that play out but that I want to talk about at the end of the episode like the future um one question I did have was about like again going back to the Harry Styles like fan fiction I had to keep reminding myself of that because like obviously Harden like does not fit my image of the type of person that Harry Styles is and it I like I know that this isn't who Harry Styles is this is made up again it's a fantasy it's not true like Mm -hmm. Harry is a genuinely good person I know he is I was trying to figure out who Trevor was supposed to represent if he's meant to represent anybody and I was wondering if you knew that I don't think so but then again like I've said people like I read these at I read the first book before I knew that it was Harry Styles fan fiction so I never pictured any of these people as like One Direction members and I still don't in my head like even when I was rereading the second book I picture like now the characters in the movie yeah like, I don't see them as being One Direction people. One, that just creeps me out. I have an issue with fan fiction when it's about real people. If you want to write it about made-up people, like Harry Potter, if you want to write Draco fan fiction, knock yourself out. But the fact that it's, like, about a real person who, like, seems to be so lovely, but then you're writing them to be, like, such a shitty person, I think that's weird. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Trevor is supposed to be anyone. I think the main people are, like, Harden as Harry Styles. Zed is Zane. Landon, I think, is Liam Payne. And then Louis and Niall are Nate and some other person. But, like, they aren't in this movie whatsoever. Okay. Like, the main two people, the main One Direction members, I think, were, like, Harry and Zane. Yeah. But I don't think Trevor is supposed to represent anyone real. I think he's, like, a made-up character. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I was just wondering. But, I mean... Like, real diehard day one after fans, if we're wrong on that, please let us know, because yeah. I 
I've never known it as like the one direct or the one direction version. Right. For sure. One thing that I wanted to know, like we acknowledge that this is a new adult film and that it is rated R. However, it is kind of hard to not compare it to other like teen movies, other YA movies that we tend to see just because we really don't have any other young adult movies. Like I can't really think of a lot that are considered young adult that are like seen as romance movies because obviously there are a bunch of like party college movies etc but I'm trying to think of like specific love stories in college Mm -hmm. and yeah there's not a lot I can't really think of any I mean Kissing Booth is kind of like moving in that direction oh I guess so and the Kissing Booth is also Wattpad yeah but Katie I just want to know kind of thinking like Kissing Booth to all the boys I loved before you know kind of comparisons or just like teen romance movies in general Like, how do you think it fares compared to the others? I don't know. I I think it's so similar. Like, it's following the same formula as, like, obviously Fifty Shades isn't a teen thing, but it's kind of a new adult. Like, she's in grad school, so maybe not necessarily, but... And then it's following the same formula, I would say, as, like, Kissing Booth with, like, the quirky female character who is a virgin tripping through life and this guy comes along and like shows her the way but he's like super aggressive i don't know i don't want to say like one is better than the other i think i like this one i like after more than the kissing booth and more than to all the boys i loved before just because it has like you were talking about that darker side to it bit more realistic i mean obviously this is not realistic at all but like i was saying the the partying scenes I thought were more true to like college lifestyle. Um, I think the characters being imperfect. Yeah. Where, like, I think the characters in like Kissing Booth and To All the Boys I Love Before, especially To All the Boys I Love Before, everyone is kind of like perfect yeah. in those. I say quote unquote. But they're much more likable and they make definitely not as many mistakes where an after I think like you're watching it and it just feels more realistic yeah. in that way of people making mistakes. People fighting, jumping to conclusions like that feels yeah. more real life. Yeah, and I think some of the interactions in After are a bit more authentic, like the like you were saying, the jarring or the like jabs at each other and just the banter between college people I felt was a little bit more authentic, but still, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not super it's not realistic, but realism. whatever. Yeah. And then I think like as far as teen movies, I don't know. It's just like nothing can prepare you for real young adulthood. And that's just what I'll say. I mean, The Fault in Our Stars. I enjoy this more than like that. I enjoy this more than um what was that one movie we were talking about before I fall? Is that the one? Mm-hmm. That's uh, a good one. If I stay. Oh, if I stay. Before I fall is a different one. If I stay is a good teen love movie mm-hmm. granted i saw that like when i was young and stupid so i would need to rewatch. but i have it on our list for us to re-watch i want to rewatch it that one's kind of darker too if i do recall so i agree i like this a lot more than pretty much all other i mean literally no at no YA movie will ever top the spectacular now for me kind of like how ladybird will ever but the those are not in the same genre i don't even compare those no. to this yeah this though is like 
a bit more of like the nitty gritty, the angsty, the darkness that I'm looking for now. When I was younger, I don't know. I don't know if I would have liked, I'm sure I would have ate this shit up when we were like 17 if this would have come out when we were back in high school. But I think now, or back then, I would have probably gone for like a bit more of like the light and fluffy where now I don't really want anything super light and fluffy. Maybe it's just like my mood and like the seasons changing and quarantine and like the world going to shit that like I don't want. I want like darkness and I want like I want people fighting. I want the drama. Yeah. That this is kind of everything that I want right now. So I'm not mad at it. (laughs) You know, I guess that's kind of same for me too. Like if I'm going to watch a love movie, which I don't typically gravitate towards, this is the type that I am into. Like, I do like the Twilight movies. Like, it's a guilty pleasure watch for me. I like watching the Fifty Shades. I don't really feel the need to, like, oh my god, I suffered through Fifty First States, and I wanted to shoot myself. Like, I hate that type of stuff. Like I the just rom-com? Ha- yeah, I hate Adam Sandler. And I don't hate rom-coms, but, like, it's definitely not what I gravitate towards, and it's definitely not what I'm in the mood for right now. So that does make a good point, even though I think this is a super problematic, like, way to tell a story. I would much rather watch this than fucking Fifty First Dates again. Like, I will watch yeah. this a thousand times before I watch that movie again. I can already tell, like, this movie would be one that would turn into a comfort movie for me. Like, the first yeah. after movie is a comfort movie for me. Just, like, I can turn it on, tune out, not really have to pay too close of an attention. Katie and I might do an episode on our comfort movies coming up so we can, mm. like, dive more into, like, why certain things are, like, our comfort movies. Yeah. But this is just, like, it kind of hit, checked every box for me of what I want right now. And I was, I was here for it. So. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that until you brought that up. Like, I'm going to criticize it, but also, like, what else do you want, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, what more do you expect from this? It is fan fiction. Like, what are you expecting? (laughs) And there's not that many, like, critically acclaimed romance movies. There are Mm -hmm. movies that are, like, a love story. Like, Moonlight is kind of a love story, but you wouldn't say that that's a romantic movie. No. And, like, Titanic maybe is the one, like critically acclaimed romantic but again it's like it's dark there's other stuff going on and it's like a crazy tumultuous time it's based on true history right you know? yeah like a world th- where this is just super focused on a yeah. relationship like just two people it's not really involving like a world or like these catastrophic events mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of giving you what you're asking for it, it is like so. this is really all you can ask for like it's hard to make a really good romance movie that really resonates with people and that people can relate to because romance and love is so personal and for Mm. some people yeah you can relate to it but for like you might be able to resonate with some people but not everybody like some it's just it can come off kind of hokey when you're like reading someone's interpretation of love because like you just don't vibe with it and that's not your love language like I don't want a man to be like coming after me if I have amnesia I want him to leave me alone but that fucking float some people's boats and will I ever understand that no but I can just not watch that movie while some people can watch it and love it because that mm-hmm. apparently is like what they like so I don't know that's so funny I hate I remember when Jack I am me and she was like Katie spent the whole er, and he was just like Katie just spent the whole movie roasting Adam Sandler I hate him <laughs> so much this is just a fun question but I wanted to ask because I did really appreciate the like perfect day date scenario and I would literally love it if somebody did that for me 
babe, if you're listening. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like, what would your perfect date day look like if your partner or whoever you are with was like, okay, I'll say yes to everything. I'll pay for everything. Like, what are you doing? This is no pandemic, right? Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is a no pandemic world. I, let's see. I don't know. I'd want to wake up in the morning and I would want to go get breakfast somewhere because breakfast food is my favorite food. So I'd love to go out to breakfast and grab some coffee. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if we could take it to like a park or ideally if we lived by like a lake or an ocean or something, we could take it and eat it there. That would be nice. Mm. Um, I would like to go to a bookstore and like walk around, buy some books. I'd like to go to a movie. Mm-hmm. I sound so basic. I'd like to go out to lunch. And then maybe like if, I don't know. I'd, I want to do a rage room. That is so random. Oh, but that's like, you fun. know those rooms where you can just destroy things? Yeah. I think that would be so much fun that I would really like to do one of those. I don't know if I'd put that in this perfect day scenario. That just was one thing that popped in my mind that I would like to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. I the thing with I like knowing what we're doing and I'm a big planner as Katie knows like whenever we're planning like group activities I'm the one who's always like okay what time are we leaving what time are we meeting up who's driving like I'm the one about the details but I don't necessarily like doing that it's because I have anxiety and OCD that I need to be the person in charge of those plans. Honestly if I'm talking like a perfect day I would rather screw all of that I would rather have my partner know me good enough that he could plan out everything mm-hmm. and that I would not have to have any worry about like driving there timing right. like he takes care of all of that and I could like shut off my brain and just enjoy a day mm-hmm. knowing that like he planned things that he knew I would like Cool. But like it would probably include going to like a bookstore, going to a movie. I don't know. That's a tough question. And I just gave a really long, like not good answer. Katie, what would yours be? So I kind of am like you. Like I like to have things planned out, but, and I also don't like choosing things. Like, you know, when it's like, where do you want to go to eat? I'm just like, wherever you want to go is fine. Like, but to just know that like, whatever you want to do, that's what we're doing. Like that would be fun. So... I don't know. I think I would like to keep a steady buzz all day. Um, So, like, to wake up with mimosas and maybe coffee from, like, Starbucks or something and, you know, have breakfast at home, maybe in bed, and then, um, like, go for a run or a walk or, like, a hike or something after our food digests and then maybe, like, go shopping if he's paying for everything. Like, I would want to go to Target or, like get some candles or something or maybe go to like some cute little knick-knacky type shops like the ones that are in downtown Madison or something Um, yeah those are really cute love that and then like get some Moscow mules and go out for lunch Mm. like have a nice yummy sandwich and I don't know I'm just I'm pretty simple like I like playing Scrabble so maybe finish the day like having dinner and drinks and playing Scrabble and like watching a movie and then just like smoking a quick bowl and go to bed (laughs) That sounds like a great day. I know. See, I like that you want to talk about a steady buzz. I could not start drinking in the morning. I cannot do, like, I can't do steady drinking like you can. I I can't either. I mean, I typically get hungover in the middle of the day. Exactly. Or I get so tired when I'm drinking that I have, like, a solid mm, three-ish hours, depending on the, like, mood of the people around me. Mm Mm-hmm. 
when I'm drinking to be like really fun and having a good time, but I will go from 100 to zero yeah. to like needing to fall asleep. I used to fall asleep at our high school parties oh like, under the pong table all the yes. time. Like not passing out, I would literally just fall She would asleep. just go to sleep, yeah. Um, that I couldn't do that. Like if I ha- need to maintain a good day, yeah. I need to start drinking at like 5 p.m. at the yeah. earliest. That's what I'm saying. Also, like, I just thought about this. Uh, Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. It's just, like, a perfect scenario would be that I maintain that buzz, but I've literally maybe achieved that, like, once in my life. It's so hard to do. I'd say maybe a country jam back in high school when we went. Yeah. Like, we were drinking at nine in the morning, and we were drinking until, like, midnight, but we also had better stamina back then. (laughs) We didn't get hungover. Right. Uh, Actually, I want to do, like, a pottery class. I think that would be a lot of fun. I loved ceramics in high school, so I think that would be cool to do, like, a couple's pottery class. Yeah, or, like, going to a winery or a distillery or something. A winery. Okay, so some behind-the-scenes tea for those of you who don't know. I have made it on to, like... Somehow I made it on after TikTok, mm-hmm. so I'm fine with that. I mean, I, although granted I say that I've made it on after TikTok, I've seen, like, two videos. So, I don't know how that happened. Or, I do know how that happened. I searched out. I was, like, stalking their social medias leading up to this movie because Katie and I were having to figure out how we could watch, right. <laughs> watch it. Yeah. Anyways, so I got on. This one girl was dropping all the tea, and apparently there has been a whole bunch of Twitter tea. I couldn't really find a whole bunch. It was, like, a lot of alleged things. Mm -hmm. So I say this, and I don't really have sources. It's more just, like, the drama circulating within the after community. So while I say this, I do not have, like, 100% certain proof that this is what happened, but this is all alleged. (laughs) So Anna Todd, the author of these books, has been fired. She has been involved in the first and second movies, and she has now been fired because the third and fourth one are currently in production. They're currently filming, but she is not involved. And apparently, she was in a group chat with some after fans Mm. And she was bashing Josephine Langford, who plays Tessa. Justified dessert. And she was leaking footage from After We Collided to these, to this, like, group chat. And I haven't seen screenshots of anything. Again, it's all been alleged. Which then, looking on Anna Todd's social media, she has posted pictures, like, with Josephine in the past being like, you're so awesome at playing Tessa. Like, you brought this character to life for me. Like, very positive posts about her specifically in the past so apparently that was part of it oh yeah so then with her leaking the footage so apparently they were just like yeah no we can't vibe with that anymore and fired her and she tweeted some like cryptic things Mm. after this all went down but she has since deleted them and i've had a hard time tracking down screenshots people but they are out there i did see a few of them of her like just saying some like cryptic things Mm -hmm. noted on that and then the other behind the scenes tea i mean not really tea but i think just like the fans have been abuzz with it, is that because of the coronavirus pandemic, they had been filming the first movie in Georgia, and I think the second movie filmed in Georgia too, or like, they filmed in the U.S. Mm -hmm. However, with the pandemic, they are not filming this in the U.S. They are filming it somewhere in Europe, I think, the third and the fourth movie. I think they're doing like what Fifty Shades did and filming them both at the same time. With that, with the change in scenery and like everything that's going on, they said that they had to recast a bunch of people Mm. so there have been a bunch of recastings like I think Kimberly Vance Harden's mom Landon Molly like it sounds like almost everyone that's not Harden and Tessa and Trevor 
if they're putting Trevor in this third movie, I don't know. He is like a little bit in the third, or he's in the third book, so I would think he would be involved. And they were like really big on being like, we have Dylan Sprouse in the family, so I don't think I've seen anything about that. But they did do a lot of recasting, wow. and they were like, it's either due to scheduling conflicts or blah blah blah. But then apparently some of the actors were saying like, no, we basically like weren't asked back. Wow. So it just sounds like a bit of a a bit of a mess. But Molly, the actress who plays Molly. Iana Starks. Um, I did like you a lot better in the second movie. She is now pregnant and Mm -hmm. she's like seven months pregnant or something. So it could be that with her that like she can't be playing Molly pregnant. So just something to note that now Anna Todd will not be involved and will not be writing. I don't think so on the third and fourth movies. The cast is going to be looking pretty different. But already people were recasted for this. That's what I was going to say. The dad is different. Karen is different. That's very interesting though. I'll be very interested to see how the third and fourth one play out. Just given even the fact that they're being shot at the same time and, like, in a different location. And I think they're different directors, too. Mm -hmm. Or it's a different director than this one. Castile Landon will direct both films, which was not the director of this one. Mm. Oh, Selma Blair also got replaced, too, which is Tessa's Oh, trash. But also, Selma Blair has, like, a bunch of health issues, so she probably can't travel with COVID. Like, I would think that that would just not be safe. Right. So yeah, Landon, Carol, Vance, and Kimberly will all be replaced. And then obviously Molly was too. Well, speaking of the third and fourth movies, we, at the end of this one, got left on a cliffhanger. It got set up for Tessa meeting her father. And I just kind of wanted to know what your thoughts are regarding that situation. Obviously, Michaela, you've read the books, so you might have more insight into the situation. But I'm just intrigued by what's going to happen with that whole situation, particularly if Harden and the dad are going to have a relationship because... Selma Blair's character, Tessa's mom, does make the comment that the two of them are so much alike. And so I wanted to see if that is going to be explored and if we're going to see them getting along and having a relationship because they're so much alike and they like have this understanding of each other. Or I could also see that being the initial thing that's going on with them, but then like something happens and it distinguishes like oh Harden isn't like him like Harden is better than him and is gonna treat Tessa better I don't know that was like the most intriguing thing not the most intriguing thing but something that kind of made me think about the next movies and what was gonna happen and I just wondered if you had any thoughts about that or any other thoughts about like the third and fourth movie the dad plays a huge role in the third book and is a big catalyst for something that happens in the fourth book do you want me to spoil it like do you want no, don't spoil it. Okay. I'll just say, like, he does play a pretty big role, so I think we're going to see a lot more of him in the third book. And I will just say, since I'm not going to spoil this, I will just say I'll be interested to see if they keep in the plot line in the fourth book that involves her dad that really changes, like, Hardin and Tessa's relationship and is, like, a big catalyst for something that happens between the two of them. I will just be interested to see if they play that out. Mm. Since the second movie followed a lot closer to the second book than the first one did, I will just be, I am hoping that we can see more of that with the third and fourth books. Yeah. However, as we're talking about the third book, the second and third book are, like, very similar in a way where it is just a lot of, like, 
they fight, then they fuck, they fight, then they fuck. Like, that's pretty much, like, the third book as well. Obviously, there's more conflict with, like, Tessa going to Seattle or, like, with this offer to move to Seattle and her dad being involved. And we do get more of Har- er, of Hardin's mother in the third book. And there's, like, a storyline with that and a lot more of Vance and Kimberly. So I have hopes that they will keep it similar, especially if they're getting a positive response on this movie mm. and that fans are liking it more. Yeah. I think with movies like this, when there's such a devoted, passionate fan base and, like, really what, like, just keep the books pretty similar to the movies. Like, you're not trying to make anything groundbreaking. Just, like, keep similar to make people happy. I hope that that's the route that they go yeah. with the third and fourth. I have high hopes for the third and fourth movie. And again, when I say high hopes, right. like, I just want it to basically meet all the expectations that I put forth for this second movie. The second and third books are my favorite in the series. Actually, I think the second one was always my favorite. So I got what I wanted out of it. So the third book, though, like, I was talking to, I was talking to Katie about this when I told her, I'm like, I didn't even finish after we collided before this. Mostly because it's long and I'm reading, like, multiple books at a time. But the third book is 843 yeah, pages. Wild. Which is just outrageous for a romance novel, yeah. especially in a five-book series. The fact that that one is almost 900 pages long is just absolutely I felt like this movie was so long, too. It did feel long, and I was just trying to... I think... It feels long because it happens over such a short amount of time, too. Like, really, it is, like, Christmas to New Year's and, like, shortly after and shortly before, you know? Yeah, and um, it's just, like, the again, the same thing happening again and again. Like, they're fighting and blowing up and leaving and all this stuff. And literally, when she got in that, when it looked like she got in the, the green Uber to drive away, I was like, when will this end? Like, now he's going to go after her again. But I was like, when I saw her behind him, I was honestly like... Thank God, because that's probably going to resolve and be over. But yeah. I thought it was going to be over when she got in a car accident. We didn't even talk about that. But honestly, like, that wasn't... She got in a car accident, and then we just, like, moved on from that. Yeah. The car accident was in the book, but it was... Di- like, the circumstances were different. She never went to the hospital. Trevor was never involved. Like, obviously, I could go on and on about the differences. It's not really that important. I mean, it was fine. It was in there. I thought it was but... going to end, like, when he left to go to London... Like, yeah, I thought it was over and then it wasn't. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? I felt like they tried to do a lot in it. They tried to fit a lot in, yeah. which I mean, I'm not mad at. I'd rather have more than less. So yeah. Wow. We wrapped We did up. it. This was a longer episode, but I think it had to be. We had a lot to say, a lot to talk about. Let us know mm-hmm. what you thought about this movie and be sure to obviously look out for our Friday video where we have a little premiere day in quarantine <laughs> to watch this movie. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Obviously, be sure to visit our links in the description. We post new ones every week, but we post obviously the same one of how to like vote and stuff pretty close to crunch time. So if you haven't voted yet and you're able to vote, please vote. All right, everyone. Well, please stay safe. Please stay informed. Vote if you can. Stay inside. Wear a mask. Lilas. Lilas.